What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Fast Track, formerly known as Pave the Way Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Helbeck, and on this show, you are gonna learn exactly how to be successful as a real estate investor. It doesn't matter if you're brand new or if you've done dozens and dozens of deals. This is a podcast you're gonna be able to listen to that's gonna give you actionable, specific advice on how to be successful within real estate investing. I'm gonna interview top-notch real estate investors each and every week, and there's also gonna be some content that is just gonna be me telling you exactly about my journey and how I've went from a broke kid starting out to a million-dollar real estate investor. So if you wanna learn how to be successful investing in real estate, this is the show to listen to, and I'm looking forward to being able to serve you at a high level. Jeff Neidiger, welcome to the podcast, my friend. It's a long time coming, and I've been looking forward to this interview since we booked it. Yeah, I'm glad to be on here, man. Thanks, Greg. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Let's do it. I'm looking forward to it, too. So let's just get right into it. I've known you for a while now. We were part of a mastermind for a couple of years, and we got to hang out in Mexico a few times. And you know, the more I got yeah. to learn about you and, and see your business and, and doing Zoom calls and whatnot, I've always been very impressed with your operation you have in Chicago. So before we get into all that stuff, how did you get into real estate? Because I know you've been doing this for quite a long time now. Yeah, cool. Um, so I've got a business partner. And um, I guess before that, when I got out of the military in 2006, I was active duty army. I'd spent a few years overseas. Came out of that. And then um, I took a job out here outside Chicago, where I'm, I'm currently at now uh, in the suburbs. And didn't love it. Didn't love uh, the whole uh, W-2 thing. Uh, so I really wanted to get into real estate like anybody else uh, that is seeking that out. You know, you go find a mentor or a trainer or a course or read books. I did a little bit of all that. Um, and and to, uh, the condensed version is, you know, we I actually saw a roadside sign, a yellow one that said a real estate investor, investor seeks apprentice. Oh, and, I've seen those. Uh, that is really, and, and I don't. I don't call on those. I'm not one of those guys that calls off TV stuff. I just I always feel like it's scamish or yeah. schemish. And uh, I did. And I told my wife, so what do you think? And, and invited you to an event. And I, I get how that whole thing goes. And um, anyway, she said, just go to it free, you know, and I said, I know, but free things usually cost you, you know, so um, I went to it, sat in there and, and bought a real estate course for uh, about $25,000. And uh, we had some money at the time, didn't have that kind of money. Um, but I told my wife, I said, I'm going to quit my job and I want to get into real estate full time. That was 2006. 2007, I left my job. So I worked there about nine months and uh, started Kendall Partners with my business partner, Kevin. He was working at the time. We bought a house. And as the story goes, made a few bucks and I gave him a little more than half to kind of prove to him and his wife that this is something viable we could do. And uh, it wasn't, but maybe a few months later, he, he had left his job and we started the the, the same thing you see on TV, you know, you buy property, you, you put some money into it and you, you sell it. Uh, there was no operations. There was no um, HR. It was just go do it and we'll do the work and make it better than it was and sell it, hopefully make some money. And we did. And then we didn't, we lost some money, lost about 50,000 bucks on our, for, on our second house. Oh, wow. A little bit of a setback there. Yeah, that's, that happens to everyone. You know, I always say, if you haven't like broken even or lost a little bit of money on a property, you probably haven't been in the game long enough, you know? Uh, well, I told my business partner, Kevin, because he said, I can't afford to do this. You know, this is just, he's a little, he's a little more risk adverse than I am. And that's, that's good for our relationship. Um, there's a joke, you know, because I, 
I'm usually like, uh, ready, fire. And he's ready, aim, aim, you know? And so we kind of equal each other out. But I just said, Kevin, I, I, uh, this is my education. You know, I went, I had some schooling. Obviously, I spent some time overseas and some leadership training. But that was my education. So that was, uh, that's how we got in. We did short sales for the next about three years. Uh, helped a lot of folks out here locally in the Chicagoland market. And uh, bought a lot of real estate. Uh, bought in same day, double close back when uh, first American title would allow us to buy and sell same day and use the end buyer's funds to fund the entire purchase. And we took the difference. And uh, until they said we couldn't do that anymore, they said you actually should use money to buy real estate. And I was like, oh, really? So uh, things changed. And we rehabbed houses for probably six or eight years um, at a pretty good high level. I would say we did 40, 50, 60 a year. Uh, here in the uh, kind of the North Chicago area, some of the more affluent suburbs. Uh, and it wasn't until about 2018 um, that we got into more of the direct-to-seller marketing. And so now it's really a sales and marketing business, right? As you know. Yeah, no, for sure. That's interesting because you 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 got started at a time when, you know, the, the entire economy melted basically in 2008, 9, 10, right? So short sales were huge. And you know, I've done a few of them. I have one right now we're working on that could be a pretty good rental, assuming the bank goes forward with it. And, you know, the big mm -hmm. point for the listeners is like, you always got to be adaptive in your business. You can't do one thing and expect that one thing to work forever. And the fact that you really have only been direct to seller marketing now for like almost, what is that, five years now? I mean, it's yeah, less than, yeah. Yeah. You're yep. able to pivot and, 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 you know, that has obviously paid dividends for you guys now. And it's, that'll be the theme of our podcast today. But the big takeaway for the listeners is listen, if you're doing something right now and it's working, you, you milk that cow for all the milk you can get. But understand, and especially last year when the market got a little squirrely for a while, you have to pivot. And if you're not willing to pivot, especially if you have a team, you know, you're going to put everybody at risk and you always need to be on your toes. You always need to be kind of forecasting what you think might happen. Totally. And, um, you know, that's a great takeaway. So let's just transition now. We'll start with your biz ops and then we'll cover the marketing. So you very big business now in Chicago, one of the biggest guys around. That's a, obviously the third biggest city in the country, I believe. So yeah. mm -hmm. what does your model look like today when it comes to the actual exit strategies? Because something I want to point out for the listeners is that you're not assigning contracts. You guys actually buy every house that you get into an agreement, which is, you know, it's uncommon in a good way because a lot of volume flippers are assigning stuff. Nothing wrong with that, but that's a completely different business no. model than actually closing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you are correct. Uh, we, we buy every house. Um, we go under contract. Of course, there's a little bit of fallout there. Um, you know, just the nature of being in real estate. We, we don't, we can't and, and don't perform on every deal. Uh, we have the intention to. So I think that's the clear distinction is that we do have the intent and the capacity. So my, my goal is to look someone in the eyes or my team is goal, team's goal is to look someone in the eyes, say, yes, we're going to buy your house and uh, we're going to close on it. We have the cash. Uh, so when we say we're a cash buyer, we actually are. Um, and yes, a disclaimer there, uh, in my opinion, I don't think there's anything wrong with wholesaling. I think assigning contracts, should it be done properly, is is an excellent business model. Uh, as long as it's disclosed, I don't see any reason why you buy and sell or actually assign and profit um, on a hopefully a same day transaction. I think that's a great thing. Uh, where that falls apart, and yes, you mentioned us being the the third or fourth largest uh, city in the country. Uh, so when we decided to go to direct to seller, we, we just said, hey, we, we don't want to come out and be the next wholesaler. Uh, again, nothing wrong with the model. 
but we wanted to be able to disclaim and, and put out on our marketing that we are actually, we're not assigning. We, we actually aren't wholesaling. So while our, our means of, of attracting business or for sellers reaching out to us, whether that be PPC, we do a lot of TV. Uh, we send out 70, 80,000, uh, 70 to 80,000 pieces of mail a month. Um, and so all these, all these leads are warm inbound leads, no cold calling, no cold texting, never have. Um, we can actually tell them on the phone that, yeah, um, we're going to come out and visit you, give you an offer. And that offer is for us to purchase the property. Um, and people are, people are wise now, right? There's a lot of wholesalers out there and, and, uh, people will ask, Hey, are you a wholesaler? Now, I don't know about you, Greg, but, uh, my mom is almost 80 years old. She's not, she does not know what a wholesaler is. So when you talk to these people on the phone and they're asking if you're a wholesaler, it's because they've come in contact with someone or someone has told them, if you're going to go off market, be aware of wholesalers. So again, we just decided to come out and be a little bit different and say, we're actually going to buy it. So every house we, we contract that we take to close, we'll actually fund with our own cash and um, purchase it. And some of those we might sell immediately and the rest of them will uh, do a, a rehab and a clean out and take to the market. Uh, and that, that, that pivot, as you mentioned, that always kind of moves with the market. We might do more double close. We might go more to the market right now. Uh, I'm really pushing our team to, to take more to the MLS just because I think the, the opportunity is really out on the open market for us. So. Oh, hundred percent. And I, I was telling this to my team, I was talking to a business coach and then I was taking what he told me and implementing it. And it's like, you know, a lot of wholesalers and I, I, you know, we're in some, some masterminds where there's some, you know, big dogs doing big things. And, and, you know, you get to a point where, you know, let's say you do 40 houses a month. I mean, it would be very hard to buy 40 houses a month and close on them. Right. Like I'm not doing that. Um, but a lot of wholesalers, and I, I, said this to wholesalers who do a lot of volume. I say, listen, I understand your business model. I do a, part, a portion of it. But if you were to just tweak a few dials and take these home runs that you're wholesaling for 70 grand and put them on the dang MLS, you will make 140 yeah. grand on the same lead that took the same amount of time. Yeah, you got to wait two or three months, but that's just extra revenue from going on the yes. MLS on the same lead at the same price. And you're ultimately going to make more. I do want to make a, I, I want to make a distinction there. I'm in agreement. I want to make a distinction there. I think that uh, for us, it's purely a business decision. Yeah. Um, you talk about cash conversion cycle. Of course, when you when you buy a house and sell a house the same day, effectively your cash conversion is the same day. Yeah. When you buy a house uh, and decide to take it to the market, then you're you're subject to the market, right? You're subject to the the contractors in the city. Um, Doing real estate in Illinois, in Northern Illinois, is, is not an easy business. There have been a lot of operators that have come into, into the Chicago and Chicago area market and have fallen flat on their face. They've got a few national brands that have been in here and they've been out pretty quick. Um, we are not an attorney state, but uh, I will tell you that 99% of the, of the transactions that happen, whether they're retail or wholesale or investor or whatever, have an attorney on both sides. Um, Just like so New York. Yep. Very it's very much like New York. It's very, it's, it's not quite as long as New York, um, but every, you have many, many people with their hands in the pot and uh, the attorney is the title agent. So they have a lot to win, not just the three or four or $500 fee that they're being paid or $700 or $800 fee. Uh, they have a lot on the line too. So I say that to say uh, buying and selling same day is a great business model because money out, money back in same day. I love that. Um, when you go to the market, 
yes, I think Greg, you're right. That that seventy thousand dollar deal could be one hundred forty thousand dollars, but that money, uh, even if it is seventy thousand dollars more, uh, might take you another six months to get. So it's just a it's a matter of operations, and we do both uh, for that reason because it's it is nice to have this cash flowing all the time as opposed to waiting for for bigger money down the road. But both. 100%. Yeah. And that's, that's when you can hybrid the both and you can do a little bit of both the double closing and then the actual like takedown MLS deals. Like it's just, you, you're able to really have that flow, get into that flow from a cash flow perspective, because like you said, right. if you're just waiting for these home runs to close and you have no revenue coming in the door in the next 60 days. You know, I have overhead, you have overhead. Those bills are paid every month, right? That's a fixed expense to variable income, which is a, that next another thing I see with people they don't do double closes or wholesales and they have these 300K months and then they have these goose egg months and then they have this 400K month and then a 20K month. And then it all averages out to like, you know, 80 grand a month. But, you know, the vendors need to get paid every month and that's a fixed agreement. That's right. Versus, you know, if I, I we have a project we're finishing up hopefully in the next week and like we had an open CFO issue in New York with attorneys everywhere. And they're like, you're not closing this until this gets done. And that revenue that was supposed to actualize in April isn't going to actualize until mid-May, right? And like, that's the reality of this business. And it's interesting you're saying Chicago is, is, is very similar to New York because I've always told people, you know, these big, like you said, these big buyers come to New York. They want to, you know, conquer the world. And I say, if you can make it in New York, you mm -hmm. can make it anywhere. And they get smoked because they're not aware that the seller has their own representation. They want a real deposit. It's a real contract. It's there's no like you just push this over the table, have them sign it and put ten dollars down like that doesn't exist in my area. Like you have to put down thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah, I think that's a good point, too. And I think that's uh, often uh, um, often uh, not talked about is the deposit or the earnest money. Right. What we're talking about here. So the consideration given on the deal to uh, in good faith. Right. As your deposit, as some of these purchase agreements or contracts would say, uh, we actually do that. So whether that's $500, which is kind of our boilerplate, uh, I will say that doesn't fly with many attorneys because that's not standard. Uh, you would see maybe a 1% of purchase price or even up to 2 or 3%. Um, but I was buying bank-owned property in 2010, 11, 12, 13, where we were giving Hubzu and uh, FHA and VA and Fannie Mae uh, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 non-refundable to buy houses. Uh, yep. that's how serious we were there to get the deal because a lot of investors didn't have the money to deposit, you know? So even in this day and age, we are, we are actually giving the seller or the seller's attorney, right. Um, an earnest money deposit that we're, that we're, uh, we're not here to play games. Another reason why we can say we're different than wholesalers because most wholesalers won't put their deposit down. They want to extend, extend, extend until, until they find their buyer. Again, it's all fine if it's disclosed, it's just not normally disclosed that that's what's going on. So Exactly. Exactly. And that's how we um, but yeah, I can't, we couldn't actually have the months where the, we can't have the months where it's down to zero. Um, you know, we, we're, we're consistently spending 80,000, $90,000, $100,000 a month uh, in marketing investment uh, between the, the three or four channels I mentioned. And I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, and that's a real, you know, good thing too, is like, you know, when you, when you have barriers to entry, right, in tough markets, Chicago, New York, LA, whatever, that's where there's a lot of opportunity because a lot of other competitors really don't have the ability to, to compete, right? If someone is getting an offer and it's the same price and, and, and Jeff's putting down 10 grand and the other wholesaler has no money, it's a no brainer for that seller to make a decision. Even if Jeff's offer might be lower, there's a lot more certainty 
uh, provided in that yeah. offer versus some guy who is just going to try to flip it, who doesn't even know what they're doing. So I, I totally, uh, I'm on the same page about that. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned something earlier, you kind of planted the seed, you're doing a lot of inbound marketing, which is, is in my opinion, the best way to do it. You're just going to convert better. Your team's going to be happier. Conversations <laughs> are easier within reason, obviously. So what have you found, you know, to be working really well in the last two years for your company in terms of the actual channels? It's a good question. Um, you should probably remember me saying this many, many times on our on our uh, multipliers um, calls. We had a marketing call, right, where we kind of um, discuss strategies. Um, I, I, I still say the same thing. I, I believe, and, and this is just my opinion from my experience, that direct mail is the foundation uh, for our direct-to-seller marketing business. Couldn't agree um, it is not quick. It's not fast. It's not sexy. It takes time. You spend money today for future revenue. You already mentioned that, but that even in this case, you're spending money today for revenue that could be uh, probably no sooner than 60 days out. So we're planning, we're spending money now for next quarter's revenue. And I think that's something you gotta be aware of. So uh, direct mail has always been something we've done. Uh, we've, we've been, uh, even from the short sale days in 2008 and 2009, we were mailing out handwritten letters uh, back in the day, I thought we were scaling that business because we were mailing out 50 pieces a month. Um, you know, now we're mailing 50 pieces a minute, you know, you know but um, so I, I still feel direct mail is the foundation. Um, on top of that, we do um, quite a bit of TV here in Chicago, and that goes obviously out to the suburbs. You have a little less control over TV because, you know, as that hits the airwaves, whether you're doing digital over the top OTT or you're just doing the cable or local networks, uh, your, your, your video or your commercial is being displayed everywhere. So that is good and it's bad because it expands your reach, uh, which is the good part. The bad part is if you don't, if you don't buy in Milwaukee or if you don't buy in uh, the south side of uh, or the northwest uh, corner of Indiana, uh, which we currently don't, uh, that can be an issue. But we do quite a bit of PPC, branded and unbranded. We do quite a bit of TV uh, and then the foundation again being uh, direct mail. And I said 70,000, 80,000 pieces a month between both branded and unbranded, um, both postcard, both uh, letter format. Uh, we do greeting cards um, and we're very, very consistent with it. Doesn't mean we always mail out 70,000 pieces, but we're very rarely under 50,000 pieces per month. Totally. And I, I agree with the direct mail. I've always said to people like, if you have the ability to be in it for the long haul, like you mentioned, there's it's consistent and it's a lot of base hit deals. I mean, we've certainly hit some home runs from mail, but the thing I love about mail is that especially when you really have it optimized, you're only getting those leads in areas you want to buy in versus like, listen, TV and Google are great. I do Google, not TV, looking into TV, but yeah, you can get those leads from anywhere, right? You can get, you know, you can exclude zip codes or whatever, but for the most part, it's, it is a very big shotgun approach with direct mail. If I'm mailing a list of zip codes that I know I'm buying houses in, the lead might not be as great, but at least it's an area that I really want to buy in. Maybe we can pay a little more, et cetera. And like you said, you're planting seeds today for revenue tomorrow versus Google is a little bit more like they're coming in, they're ready to sell now, a little bit shorter of a cash conversion cycle, but I've yep. always found too with the online leads. And this is a blessing and a curse is that you know, if you're not calling those leads back within the first 30 seconds, 
you're at a huge disadvantage because they're probably calling four or five companies. So if, if it's going to be a competitive yeah. scenario, the first one in the door has a very, very good advantage over the others because it demonstrates to the seller, you're serious, you're calling them back, you're prompt, you're to the point. Uh, and I found that, you know, we actually got a deal yesterday, we called him back right away, solved his problem. He actually canceled all the other appointments he had set with other people. Cause mm -hmm. we don't, but like, you know, it goes the other way too. We have sellers who are, you know, this was the other day they got, they're getting five offers. That's all they care about. And that's fine. That's understandable. It is what it is. But the point is you always want to have different lines in the water and you always want to, I use Mark, the analogy, it's like you're fishing in the lake and you never know what fish is going to bite but you need to have your five or six hooks out there because one rod might go crazy with a bass. And then the next day, you know, <clears> it was going nowhere. And all of a sudden you reeled up a huge trout and now you're going to eat for the month. So you have yep. to have different channels out there or else you're constantly just going to be too dependent upon one thing, which, you know, might not be going well for a while. You know, I want to make one point. I agree with you. I want to make one point about the direct mail. And this is from our experience. Um, lots of ways to do direct mail. Um, where I've found the most success within our organization is we buy quite a bit of data. Yeah. Um, and that started back 10 or 12 years ago, maybe um, of buying stuff off of list source and some of the public uh, providers where you could tap into a database and pull a list based on whether it be age, race, location, price range, equity, et cetera, et cetera. And I know people still do that. I, I think they still have success, but I don't do that anymore. Uh, we buy a lot of the, the predictive data. So whether that's through Audantic and, and providers like that or 8020, uh, there's a lot of good, uh, you know, batch leads and you can pull, you can pull a lot of data and be very specific and very granular depending on where you want to go. Like you said, this neighborhood, this zip code. Um, and so the good part about direct mail is that we don't necessarily shotgun, even though we mail out a lot of mail, we're very intentional about who that goes to. Um, and so uh, we don't mail them once either. Mm. A couple of things with direct mail that we do, I think we do it fairly professionally, uh, at least we try to, is that we mail them two, three, four, five, six times. And there's a little bit of a method to that madness as to what they get and when, um, depending on if they call and, and when they call, what conversation is had. Um, if they ask to be removed, we try and do our best to honor that. I think if you're going to be a professional uh, marketer, I think you've got to honor that, especially if your name or your brand's on it. Uh, yeah. people get upset because they think that if you send them a picture of a Google image on there of their house, they really think, even though it says this is a Google image, I obtained it from a public site. They actually think that uh, you drove by their house and took a picture of it. And so interesting part about direct mail is it causes some type of, um, um, emotional reaction almost, uh, for uh, many, many sellers and they'll call and want to have a conversation about the mail piece, about something that was said or something that wasn't said. And it's almost uh, an inquiring mind. Uh, and those calls, um, uh, from our information anyway, take a little bit longer and you're building a relationship. So much like my business partner and I have been doing this, this will be 17 years for us this month. My wife and I have been married almost 21 years. Uh, I'd like to think that we uh, build relationships. I think you're doing that a lot of times with sellers too. You're, you, maybe you don't have the relationship, but you're, you're mailing to them consistently. And the messaging, I think, does matter. So just mailing is is not good, in my opinion. Mailing to the right list, mailing with mailing with the right message, um, because you you know depending on where you're you're going to catch them. Predictive data would say that these people are are the most likely to sell their home. It didn't, and they've gathered all this information that says why. There's lots of behavioral science around that, uh, but 
you're going to catch these people, in my opinion, based on uh, uh, where they're at in the customer journey. They might just be, they may have never even thought about selling. They may not know that they have to sell. That might come next month, right? But they got your mail piece this month. So when you have a conversation, or I will tell you, we still do deals and get leads off of postcards that we mailed out during COVID, as much as I hate to say that, uh, in 2020. People, you talk about this nice branded card, people will put that on their, on their fridge. That's what we all hope they'll do. And then remember you when they think about selling their house. So you might get lucky sometimes, but that's why you're consistent. And the ones that won't keep that because they're not ready, you have to keep hitting them. Uh, so we layer our direct mail and then layer PPC and TV on top of that with the same type of message, the same type of branding, the same type of credibility. We have 200 plus positive Google reviews. Uh, credited B Better Business Bureau. Um, and so we really push the, that we're a little bit different than your average home buyer. Um, that type of thing. We're local. We know the market. Uh, we live here. All of our team members are here, all, almost all 20 of them. Uh, they're all here in the office. Uh, and so they, we know the areas, know the towns and, uh, you know, that type of thing. That goes a long way, Jeff, because we have, we have that too, where people will see that we're actually local to the markets we're in you know, which sounds counterintuitive, but like I'm a New York guy, Brett's a Delaware guy. So it's like, you know, kind of balances itself out, but there, that goes a long right. way, especially nowadays with a lot of people buying like, you know, in foreign markets where they live in Texas and they're buying in wherever, you know, I don't know, Ohio and the Ohio mm -hmm. person wants to deal with a local person. And they see that the, you know, the guys from California or whatever, and they're a little kind of like skeptical and just being local, it goes a long way. And this, the other point you made with the direct mail, I'll give you a legit case study on that. We had a lady call us about five months ago and she said, I was in contract with another buyer and they canceled the contract and I've had your postcard for two years and I want this property off my hands yesterday. And that's that was a $25,000 deal. So that was revenue that happened five months, really four months ago because we closed the wholesale deal. I, did, I paid for that marketing over two years ago, right? So that's the thing with direct mail. It's it's like, it's perpetual and it keeps growing and you never know, like even when I run campaigns and we, you know, we break even in three months or whatever, and then everything else is profit. That doesn't account for those leads that are going to come in, like you said, from years before. And that's why the yes. momentum of direct mail and the messaging, like you said, matters. When you send someone six postcards and they go, I've got your six postcard, my tenant just stopped paying rent. You guys are the company I want That's to right. It's a lot easier to sell at that point because the marketing is doing a lot of the selling for you. And they already understand that, okay, you're from Kendall Partners. You guys buy locally. I looked you up online. I did my research on you. This is a company I want to work with. It really makes the sales right. process go that much better. So when you can combine you know, all those marketing channels, and especially if you can really lean more into the inbound marketing I've just found from like being a, you know, being a leader, being, you know, the owner operator, like, you know, you want your team to, to have productive conversations and ultimately solve problems, right? For a profit. And when you are cold calling a lot and texting, and, and we still do a little bit of that too, but you're, you're really kind of the seller's guard is already up because they got some spam call. And now you have to overcome yeah. that to then get to the actual conversation to see if you have a, if they have a problem you can solve when they're calling you you're already bypassing that for the most part and you can get right to the point versus having to overcome, you know, a reasonable objection because I don't answer spam calls. Like I get a bunch of them. I mm -hmm. voicemail, right? So it's, uh, you know, being marketing is, is really important. So as we get towards the end of this interview, my friend, I mean, this has been really fun just kind of getting to interview you kind of getting into your mind. Yeah. 
you know, what, what has made you successful consistently. Uh, let's say we have a new real estate and actually uh, let's, let's talk about an investor who wants to get to the next level. Cause I think you really, you know, have dialed in your ability to grow your business. Let's say there's an investor listening to this. They're doing a couple houses a month. They're full-time, they're making money and they really want to get to the next level. What would be the best advice you can give them on how they can appropriately get to the next level so they don't scale themselves into chaos? Because I see a lot of people, they don't optimize before they expand yeah. and they blow themselves up. So what have you done, I guess, to really make sure that as you've grown, you've done it the right way, right? Because that's a big deal for people. It is. And that's a good question. Uh, and I get that question a lot. Uh, it makes me think. And I feel like I want to provide a very consistent answer. Um, I think getting clear on your objectives, um, I think you don't need to, or at least you should be careful of comparing yourself to others. Um, meaning Greg's got a business in New York. Uh, I know you do some stuff in California. I've got a business in the Chicago and Chicago suburbs market. It's different in Tampa. It's different in Spokane, Washington. And I know those are two extremes and two opposite sides of the country, but the business is different. The policies and procedures are different. Like I said, I don't think, uh, and this isn't to scare anybody out of the Chicago market. Anybody that does business here knows it, it can be difficult. It's, it's a, there's a high uh, barrier to entry. So I, I think I'd be careful there. I think it's good to get information from you. I think it's good to get information from me. And then you got to make your own assumptions and your own decisions that are applicable to your market. So figure out who you want to be and what you want to do there. That's flipping or wholesaling or uh, burn. I said, there's so many ways, right? But you still have to get your house or your, your, your hands on, our, on the right house. Um, I think the marketing, I think what you need to spend or what your investment can be is, is important. Um, unless you're going to go knock doors, which I don't know of anybody doing that anymore. But if they are, I, I'm, it's still probably very interesting to me to do. Um, I think it's that. I think, um, I think I would find a mentor. Uh, I think there's so much information out there. Uh, I know your podcast and there's lots of good information. There's also a lot of information that I don't think is all that great. Um, I think, you know, when you turn something on, if it's, if it's good, you're in the business, Greg, you know, uh, if this person actually does deals or yeah, yeah, just yeah. a really good marketing, I think there's, there's a difference. There's a difference um, there, but um, so I think, and I, and I, I just presented on this to an, a large investor group out here in Chicago um, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I basically said, my opinion of growing a real estate organization or, or doing, like you said, maybe from two deals to four deals or five deals, it's a team sport. Uh, again, this is just my opinion. You can do it on your own. Um, I think it's hard. Um, I, I, I'm very spoiled because I've got a great business partner in Kevin. Um, you know, he's, uh, you know, as, as Chris Arnold used to always say that, you know, Kevin is the tether to your balloon, right? Because I want to go out and fly away and do all these things. And Kevin's like, nah, now nah, we need to figure out this one thing first. And that, that's true. Um, so I would say if you don't have a business partner, go find someone to do business with. Gosh, it's a lot more fun to, to, to collaborate with people so that, true, uh, you know, have your back. And just, you know, it's really, it really is. And, and that's, and this is more speaking to the full timers, but even if you're part-time, um, you know, find somebody you can do business with. If you're a really good investor or you have a good financial mind, um, but maybe you're going to rehab. Well, that next key partner, in my opinion, is going to be that contractor. So maybe you go find a general contractor partner. It's a very common setup. I know you've seen it too, Greg. You find somebody that's that's really good on in the trades and has the relationships. Uh, well, that's a critical part to being a fix and flipper. And that's how most people start. If they're not going to wholesale, they're going to go in and buy that house, add value, and then shoot for the market. 
Uh, and I think that's a great way too. Um, but I think it's partnerships. In Illinois, you need a title company. In Illinois, you need an attorney or attorneys. Uh, you're going to need surveys. So I think once you build this out, you've got this large network now of people that you have, brokers, lenders, hard money, uh, conventional. Uh, you need to start talking to people because when the deal comes, you need to be able to fund it. And uh, I'm guessing most of your listeners and viewers um, aren't independently wealthy where they can just do whatever they want and it, there's no cost of funds. Yeah. Um, you know, dial in some of those relationships. I, you know, I mean, you can, all that information's out there now and people like yourself promote good people. I know I do. I'm willing to, I'm willing to um, point people in the right direction and make good referrals because man, if I can help someone else's business, that's done, helped, helped me. I'm like, use more people like that. So I think it's a team sport. I think it's getting clear on, on what your goals and objectives are. And then, uh, you know, you got to follow with your feet. I think you got to take action. I think a lot of people just kind of sit on the sidelines and wait for this perfect market and 4% rates. Uh, and, and that, that wave bye-bye a long time ago. Right. Yeah. That so, was gonzo um, last year. No, it's, it's gone. So I think, you know, I think don't wait for this perfect thing. I do think you should make informed, wise decisions. So be careful where you're, where you're getting your information, build a team and uh, get clear on what you want to do. Cause I love you that need to do whatever else is doing. That's such great information. And I'm glad you gave a very like detailed answer like that. Cause I, I have, I know two sets of people and I'm sure you, you, you could agree with this. I have people that I know that make $500,000 a year. They don't have a CRM and they get all their deals from realtors. Right. And then I have other friends who have big wholesaling businesses. They certainly don't make oh, 500 yeah. grand a year. They have chaos running around all day long. They're in 17 markets and they don't know their butt from their elbow, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking that. But the point is like, you can make this business however you want it to be, right? You doesn't need, you know, and that's the, the one drawback of masterminds. I mean, there's more, way more benefits and drawbacks, but I've found myself going to some masterminds before where I saw what Rick Jones was doing. I'm just making that up. And I'm like, oh my God, Rick's doing like seven more deals a month than me. There's something wrong with him. But then if you don't get clear on why you're in the business and what you want out of it, you'll always be comparing yourself to the next guy. And there's always a next guy. Yeah. If Jeff and I were doing 200 houses a month, totally. we look at Sam Zell and say, oh my God, Sam Zell is so much better than us. You know, we're a bunch of failures, right? So don't get caught in this comparison trap. Get clear on what you want. Build a team out. I think that's very concrete advice, Jeff. I really do appreciate you coming on the show, my friend. If people want to connect with your company, maybe they're in Chicago or they, they know someone who wants to sell What's the best website to direct them to if they want to get in touch with uh, your company to potentially work with you guys? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, well, we have two brands. Uh, Kendall Partners is the main home buying business that's been around since 2007. So Kendall Partners, um, we've got a team of almost 20. We are buying 20 houses a month-ish. Uh, and what you'd see on the outward facing side from the seller side is jeffbuysyourhouse.com. Oh, so that's, a great that's the TV brand. That's the... That's the pay-per-click brand. Uh, you'll see my ugly mug on there uh, with a smile. No, I mean, we, we want to convey a very genuine uh, brand out there. I think we do a really good job. And I, I do want to say one thing about our team that makes up the brand because you don't really get Jeff anymore. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm out of the operations. I don't, I don't look at houses or, or take pictures or uh, it's not that I won't. I just, I've got a really good team and they're really a lot better than I am. Um, but JeffBeiserHouse.com is 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 really the top of funnel. That's where the majority of the lead flow comes in. Uh, that would be a great place. And if you have a deal and you're in Chicago or you're struggling or you have questions, 
uh, reach out to us. You can find me on uh, Facebook. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jeff Neidiger. I don't, there's a few of them out there, but it's not that common um, with Kendall Partners. And uh, we could connect. We'll buy houses from wholesalers. We partner with them all the time and, um, you know, kind of revive deals that aren't going so well. Uh, because we, again, we will, we'll come in and we have the intent and the capacity and we'll, we'll close and hopefully make all of us look good and that's a seller amazing. happy at the end of the day. That's amazing. And that's what's, that's what matters most. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes, Jeff. It's an honor to talk to you, my friend. It's always good connecting with you. Really think the people are going to get a lot of value from today's episode. And I'm looking forward to this thing going out into the atmosphere. Me too. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, Greg. You're welcome, buddy. Hey, what's going on? This is Greg Hellbeck here. And if you're listening to this, odds are you are a real estate investor. And a big question that I always get asked is, Greg, how do you get your deals? So I have the answer to that question. The main way that I get deals, and it's been this way for years, is through direct mail marketing. Now, direct mail marketing is certainly not easy, but if you have direct mail dialed in the right way, it is profitable month after month after month after month. So I'm actually going to give you a free guide, which is my top five direct mail mistakes. So if you want to check out my guide absolutely for free, go to directmailclass.com, put in your name and email, and you will get my guide, which is my top five fatal direct mail mistakes. If you just use that guide alone, it will make you a much better direct mail marketer. So if you want to learn how to optimize and become very successful finding deals through direct mail marketing for your real estate investment company, go to directmailclass.com and get my free guide. Thank you for listening to an episode of the Real Estate Investing Fast Track. I hope you got a lot of value from this specific episode. And there are a few takeaways that you're able to gather from this to implement in your business so you can be a more successful real estate investor. So if you did get value from the show, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes, it would really mean a lot to me. That's how we keep growing the show and getting great guests is because people see the reviews. They see that we have a high quality show and they want to contribute as a guest. So that would be great. Also, if you got value, if you could share the show on social media, that would be great because that is how people see this besides the reviews. So once again, if you did get value, if you could do me a favor and leave me a review on iTunes and share the show on social media, it would really mean a lot to me and I'll see you on the next episode.